0: Welcome to Lift and Love Conversations, where we are building a supportive culture around LGBTQ families in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm Allison Dayton from Lift and Love, and I will show you how to lean into your spiritual discomfort to deepen and grow your testimony of Jesus Christ. And I'm Jenny Hunter of Jenny Hunter Coaching. I will help you identify obstacles
1: that could get in the way of sustaining healthy relationships and realizing the blessings of being an LGBTQ family. Each week, we will bring you lessons we've learned through our own lives, the experiences of families we've worked with, and conversations with amazing experts.
0: Today on Lift and Love, we will be talking with Liv mendoza Haynes, who spoke at the opening session of BYU Women's Conference last Thursday. If you haven't had a chance to hear what Liv had to say, here's a little clip. The Savior Jesus Christ has eyes to see beyond differences and into our hearts and our potentials and our desires. So I'm very pleased to introduce my friend, Jessica Livier Haynes, but she goes by Liv. I'm so happy that you're here. (laughs) Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome to the BYU conference. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about you. How would you introduce yourself to all the people that are here? Well,
2: my name is Livier, but most people call me Liv and I really like it. I'm a young woman's president. I'm a daughter, a sister, a returned missionary. I am queer. I am a person who loves going to the temple. And above all of those things, I'm a daughter of heavenly parents who strives every day to be a disciple of Christ?
1: As you can see from her, um, the small clip from the BYU Women's Conference, and I would suggest you go listen to it. It's an amazing session. Um, She has a great story, and she shares it with us today about being queer and um, being LDS, and that she converted in her 20s, went on a mission, and got married, and all those things um, she has taught us so much wisdom of how to belong and how to navigate these waters so enjoy good morning hello ladies we are so excited today to have a very special guest I'm gonna have Allison um introduce her but it's like um I feel like I'm a little bit talking to celebrity today so I'm pretty <laughs> happy
0: so Allison who do we have with us today today we have Liv Mendoza Haynes who is the queer woman who spoke at uh BYU women's conference this last Thursday. And Jenny and I were bowled over by Liv and wanted to talk to her. We're so excited to find out how this all happened. Yes. And you're going to love listening to Liv's giggle. It's super. <laughs> <laughs> She's adorable. Yes. So, okay, Liv, let's get started. Why don't you tell your story a little bit about like coming out and, um, just kind of what let's just let's do that and talk about your your parents reaction and let's let's hear that
2: yeah well it's actually a really funny story (laughs) because (laughs) I think since I was little I always realized that I didn't look at people the way my friends looked at people so there was always this like thought in the back of my head of hmm there might be something different. But I also grew up in a very Catholic, conservative kind of family. So we didn't really talk about anything sexuality related. Like I remember when I was old enough to like have some questions about, oh, how babies are born and things like that. My mom just bought me some VHS and like books and was like, here you go. And like, but look. Watch, watch it by yourself. But if you have questions, ask your sister. <laughs> I love it. So it was always like, hmm, I don't know, but I kind of just put it in the back of my head and moved on with life. Um, and then when I was in high school, I think, and beginning of college is when I started like going out with women. And it was just really funny because I would still say that I was straight, even if I was like dating a woman oh, and i would never admit to it plus um i was involved in like debate competitions so i would travel a lot for those competitions in college so i would only date women in other cities i would not date anyone in my home city because i didn't i was terrified of someone finding out and it's like i just yeah then i joined the church when i was 21 if i remember correctly i didn't talk to the missionaries about it i didn't talk to anyone because in my mind it was like this is something mine and like i'm not breaking the law of chastity right now that i'm getting baptized and i'm getting baptized so it's it doesn't matter right like it's, yeah, it's something yeah. really really personal um and then when i was gonna serve the mission I was terrified because I was like, I'm going to be with a woman like 24 seven. And I wasn't worried about like doing something on my mission because it was very clear for me what was my purpose. But I was more worried about being distracted by my feelings than by serving people. So that was kind of like, oh, I'm scared. But I always think that I was blessed with ugly or unattractive companions because then they're <laughs> happy. Or you just <laughs> no, were just, not they were pretty, but you were not attractive. Yeah. yeah just kidding, just kidding. They're beautiful women. But <laughs> I just felt like there was this like switch that was like turned off for I everyone. That. Like I not just, that a lot. Yeah, like not just for women. Like I remember one time one of my companions was like, oh like that elder smells really nice. But as in like usually the elder smell like sweaty and everything. And it was like <laughs> weird. And now like, I don't know. Like I can smell anything. And I mean, you can tell I have a good smell detector right here. <laughs> so that was really interesting. Um, but I I just like I don't know, those like that year and a half was kind of like, oh, I don't know where my attractions went for like anything. Where did you spend the I served in Mexico City, Northwest Mission. Um, I had two mission presidents and probably the smallest mission in the world. Um, I remember some of my
1: wards were like eight blocks, which is not normal in Mexico. No, just in Salt Lake. Yeah, but um, did anybody know that you were queer then or did you keep it to yourself? I kept it to myself. Okay. Um, I didn't feel comfortable
2: telling my companions because I was also really scared of female relationships like I had always had I had always struggled having female friends and like the few female friends that I have and that I still have have been my friends for like a really 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 long time Mm -hmm. so it was like I don't know if I can trust this person that I just met to tell them something as important plus I feel if you think that this is taboo in the U.S. You have no idea what it's like <laughs> yes.
1: in a Hispanic country. <laughs> like yeah. I, that's, My understanding is that like, it is a much bigger deal. Yeah,
2: yes. it is way, way more of a big deal. And I think that also comes from, like a lot of us from Hispanic countries were converts. We didn't grow up in the church. So we still have like remaining teachings from our previous religions. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's hard to like, I, I've still... Heard people like saying things like "You're gonna burning hell," and I'm like, mm, "That's not an LDS thing." But okay, <laughs> you're like, you're no, the
0: gospel." LDS, sorry. I'm like, mm, "Yeah, I might be
2: in the celestial, but I ain't burning." <laughs> no, we, we don't do that. We don't burn.
1: <laughs> um,
0: but let, got, let me let me yeah. ask you: How were you with God in this, like, on your mission in this time? How did you feel with Him?
2: I honestly, so it was hard at, like the first couple of months um because I I did struggle with like am I worthy of being here like should I be here should I not be here should I should I have told someone and I actually so when I went on my mission nobody knew and none of my companions knew but at some point on my mission I really felt like I had to tell Someone. So I had a heart to heart with my president in which I shared some things, but I still didn't share everything. And I didn't say, like, this is how I identify. So I just mentioned something along the lines of, I have broken the law of chastity at some point. I didn't confess this before coming. And I know I did wrong because now I feel this heavy weight on my shoulders and I don't know what to do Um, but my president was like very very supportive and also something interesting is that my stake president had died like a couple weeks before I left on my mission so the president the stake president that set me apart didn't really know me so when I talked to my mission president and he had to talk to my stake president to figure out like because I still like I recognized that I took a a selfish decision of saying I can do this on my own and I don't need anyone to repent from anything. Um, And that was not the right way to do it. it. It was hard. Plus if you think about it, like I was 21 when I was baptized and I think I was like 23 when I left on my mission and almost one year out of those like two years or so, I had lived abroad and Even like those three years, I hadn't been active the whole time because every time someone would say something that was triggering, I would leave and not come back for months and then come back. And it was kind of like not. I always think that my most active time in the church, I mean, now it's different, but at that time was when I was on my mission. Like, yeah, you were just. it was very
1: like roller coaster kind of yeah, way. just the beginning of your you were a convert, you're the beginning of your faith journey. Yeah,
2: like I was figuring out things and but my mission president was super supportive. And when he found out that my stake president hadn't been my stake president for a long time, he was like, you know what? I've talked to the area presidency and I feel that it will be more helpful for you to stay here and like you've taken the right steps, like you recognize that it and it wasn't so much about what I had done Mm -hmm. it was more about I slipped through the cracks and like Mm -hmm. avoided having those conversations and made my way to serve a mission so that was kind of the part that was more tricky but he was always very loving and and supporting and I saw a complete difference in my teaching after that like Mm -hmm. I didn't feel ashamed or embarrassed anymore and I just felt free I still like didn't have those conversations with my companions or anything but then it was very interesting because we found a lot of people mostly inactive people that would tell me like I'm gay and that's why I left the church or I remember <laughs> there was a a trans person male to female who was had left the church I'm not sure if she had been excommunicated or or what like her full status was because we only talked to her parents but she was giving blessings to people and like anointing them and stuff but like it was just very interesting to see the reaction of my companions when they would hear that and my reaction like they were very different they were like no that's completely wrong and we should Pretty much, like, we should raid her house and take away all the oil. And on my end, I was like, well, let's, like, let's think about it. Like, technically, like, she received the priesthood when she was, when she was still, like, presenting as male. N- nobody really told her, like, hey, you don't have priesthood anymore. So I was just trying to find, like, what is going through this person's mind to kind of understand like Um their actions right at the end of the day like I can only truly know my experience but I can try to see like oh where is this person coming from and like more like seeking to understand yeah right which is the opposite of
1: judgment right
2: right
0: and And she was trying to do something good.
2: Yeah, like it's not like she was charging for the blessings or <laughs> oh, no, doing witchcraft or something like
0: that. No, um, you,
2: but yeah, you, after. Oh,
0: sorry. No, you you just mentioned the triggering events that you would leave, and I love that you brought that up because it it goes to the uh, the BYU um, the promise of belonging. Um, in fact, in the scriptures in Come Follow Me this week, we're reading in Doctrine and Covenants 46, and I think for t- six times, the Lord commands that we don't cast people out, Right. and we think of casting out as like actually throwing people out, but casting out can also mean, um, I'm just going to read these definitions that I wrote down in my book, la- in my scriptures last night, it means to cast out means to get rid of um, someone because you don't like or need them uh you don't want to take responsibility for them you want to drive them out expel them to disregard reject or to let go like it's not just throwing someone out of a building it's disregarding it's rejecting it's ignoring yeah it's yeah it's not loving and I
2: think it's really interesting because a lot of times when I mention like triggering events People automatically think, oh, it's because you were queer or whatever label you used to identify at that point, right? right. But yes, some of them were because of things that were said about same sex attraction, gay, lesbian, whatever you want to call it. But not all of them were because of that. Like, one of the things is I have infertility issues, and I remember, like, unfortunately this is one of the memories that I have more engraved from my first couple of years in the church that I was in a relief society class um my mom was a convert she like she baptized she got baptized like a couple months after I did uh, but I was living abroad so it was like this was like a year year and a half after we both had been baptized and this sister who had a leadership position, was talking about motherhood, and I can't remember what exactly what the lesson was about. But I do remember her saying, "The women that couldn't have children was because they didn't trust them." Oh and wow! I, oh, and the like, Lord didn't trust the women because God didn't trust. Like, oh, yeah. infer, infertile woman was because you were infertile because God didn't trust you to send one of oh, His crazy. children oh. to you, and. I like in English, I might sound like composed and nice, but <laughs> in Spanish, I'm pretty sassy. And I was <laughs> ready to destroy this woman. Like, I'm not proud of what I wanted to do to her, but like, I was just so mad and not hurt. And I'm just grateful that my mom was with me that one lesson. Because she grabbed my hand, like I had my hand on my leg and she just grabbed my hand, like immediately reacted. She knows her daughter. yeah, And yeah. she was like, Hey, I know, I know we will live in miracles. So don't listen to that. We know that if it's going to be for you, the Lord is going to provide a way for you to have children. And if not, there mind, like, it doesn't mean God doesn't trust you. He has given you many other responsibilities, and just we believe in miracles, and that's all you have to remind yourself. That's right. And I kind of like calmed down a little bit for like two minutes, and then I was like, no, I need to step out of this class because I, right.
1: I, I like no I I I kind of wish you had said something because you know there's other women in that audience thinking that can't is that true because that's such a falsehood right and and
0: what your mom did was an act of of creating belonging right yeah that's not right. right we don't believe that we don't believe in a god that doesn't trust women right like there's no jesus in that no no no. (laughs) i I love that act of belonging that she created for you in that moment and and that's what you were on stage talking about and that's what sister eubanks was presenting and sister bingham and sister aguardo were presenting all these different ways to create belonging for people who are at the mercy of dumb stories like that right well
2: if you think about it just imagine like a recent convert who well at that time I used the term lesbian because I was like mainly attracted to women and I was still like I hadn't come out to myself fully and used the term so that's kind of what felt like oh that if I like women automatically I'm a lesbian um and I wasn't like as aware but just like no at least knowing I wasn't straight and then, on top of that, I've known since I was like 17 that my chances of being a mom are like super tiny, slim. Like, at some point, a doctor told me you have higher chances of having cancer than having children. We could just, we should just do a hysterectomy. And mm-hmm. I was like 19 when I got oh that. My diagnosis. Gosh, how devastating to hear at that age. And, and I come into a church in which most of the things that I hear about women is, you need like you need to prepare to be sealed in a temple to a man and then have children
1: and that's kind of like your worthiness and yeah. like all you can, can I do- ask you why did you stay because like, yeah. everything that like like you're saying like why did you stay in the church at that point I think inside of me
2: I knew that wasn't true like I knew that that was what my brain was hearing but that wasn't what my heart was telling me and I started studying more on my own and doing my own research and trying to like praying harder and getting my own revelation uh, which it's also something um was something very new for me because as a Catholic it was like these are your prayers you memorize them you repeat them like there was no Communication between God and me. It was everything that was already written, said, and done. Yeah. Um, So I think that really helped me. And also, there was always just this feeling of there's something good and right here. Mm -hmm. You need to find
1: it. So your spirit was identifying with it, even though the words didn't always match with what you were feeling.
2: Yeah. And that's also when I started, like, recognizing... Okay, what is triggering for me? Uh-huh. And I know there's this expectation of like, oh, you need well, at that time church was three hours, right? But like you need to come to church three hours and do this and do that. But in my in my I've always done things my way, even if it's not the right way. Mm-hmm. But I was like, okay, if this Sunday I feel that all I can do is come to Sacrament. All I'm going to
1: do is come to sacrament. Mm. If, I that you gave yourself that grace. Yeah, this is
0: super important. And that you, so you got pushed into an uncomfortable space. And rather than feeling like you were a failure in that space, you started listening to the spirit and, yeah. I, and the personal revelation that you were getting. And then did the things that you needed to do to be healthy in the space, which yeah. I love that you brought that up because right, like, that's where, that's where we have to be in this space right, right. now.
1: Cause you created a safe place with you and God, yeah. right? Like you're like, not, all these people are saying things that aren't creating a safe place, but I'm going to turn to God. And through you doing the work and getting your own inspiration, that's, I mean, obviously that's why you stayed. Like you felt safe being there with God. And some weeks you're like, I feel safe for an hour. Other weeks I feel safe for three hours, but yeah. like, I god's in all of that but that sounds so much like a loving heavenly father how he wants you to do it yeah Yeah.
2: and also recognizing that the answer that you get at some point is not gonna be the answer that you will get forever like that revelation is not permanent like i ain't Moses getting like rules written down, like this is everything you're gonna on do a, on, a, on. on a tablet. Yeah, yeah, I'm not getting a tablet, but like for example, I didn't attend Relief Society for many years, and I will always try to find, I always will, will try to find ways to justify, because I still didn't want to feel like I'm a bad member because I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do, right? Right. But I also didn't feel comfortable at that time talking to him. at that point I had had a slide conversation with my bishop because I got a new bishop that I have a strong I had a strong relationship with but I still didn't feel at a point of like yes this is like who I am and I'm gonna come out and stuff but like I would find like if if they needed someone to fill in for a Sunday school, a school class or for taking care of the kids or doing, like, I would always be like, "I'm your class. girl." Like <laughs> I'll do it. Like <laughs> I'll go. I'll, I'll run and do this. I'll, I'll I'll jump in on this class or whatever. Because hey, I-, I wanted to be nurtured, but to where I feel comfortable. And now, like years later. I'm speaking with the Relief Society General Presidency. At like, the conference. <laughs> at the conference from going off someone that was avoiding Relief Society classes for many
1: years. Yeah, yeah and well, why, were you, why were you avoiding it? Why was it to not feel safe to you? I think I just felt like if I wasn't, well,
2: in Mexico, we don't have YSA wards. Okay. So it's all family wards. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like I'm not a mom i'm not a wife i i'm not straight like i don't really feel like i belong here and they still had things like oh you need to wear tights if you don't wear
1: tights, you need to wear tights. Or nobody
0: not, should have to wear tights p.s
1: ever <laughs> Unless it's a super cute dress that requires it. (laughs) And even when I
2: joined the church, I think I only owned one dress. And Mm. I, I had another incident in which I had a dress that I felt was long enough. And I think I went to share my testimony or for some reason, I was in the pulpit. And when I came back downstairs, I went to my class. And as my Sunday school class ended... A brother approached me.
1: No, he didn't.
2: That my dress no. was too short. No, he didn't. Oh. that my legs were not like crossed properly. So, oh. and oh I was like, "Wait, was this in Mexico City?" Yeah, well, no, there was in Tijuana. I, I thought were, It wouldn't okay. happen here in the U.S. I guess. And <laughs> I was just like, "Wait, what?" And then the funniest thing happened. Oh. I go to relief society, and I sit with my mom, and the class is about grooming standards oh. <laughs> and I like I hadn't said anything at that point and then I I just like stood up went out my mom comes behind me and I'm crying and she's yeah. like what's going on and I'm like oh this brother told me that my dress was too short and I'm trying really hard I don't even own dresses and like oh. I, it, oh, this I hate like, that oh. I was buying like a new wardrobe to also look like I belonged And it was the funniest thing because then this other sister comes out, and I didn't know she was the girlfriend of that brother. (gasps) Because he was an older brother. Like I was 20 something, like early 20s. And this guy was like late 30s, mid 40s, probably. Ancient. Like, (laughs) I mean, like, wait, like older than me. Like, I feel like it made it even more. Inappropriate. Like, if, if yeah. it had been one was, of my friends.
1: No, it was inappropriate on every like, level. Yeah.
2: It was still, if it was, if he had been one of my friends, it would still be inappropriate. But okay. at least we had, like, a punch board. You know, yeah. like, yeah. Mm-hmm. so my mom then was the one that was like, Where is this guy? <laughs> like, why oh, is he even looking at your legs? Like, yes And it was, she was like, If anything, like, he knows me he should have told me or
1: tell his girlfriend. He shouldn't say a word. No, he shouldn't say anything.
2: Yeah. So it was just, uh, those like, I don't know. I feel like there are a lot of little cultural things that we're still working through. Um, my mom actually went inactive and well, everyone in my family is inactive. And when I finally, well, fast forward, moved to the U S um, kept dating guys, like dated everything that I could, every not everything, everyone. <laughs> and everything as well. Um and it just it felt more like a job, you know, like I would go on a date and go over in my mind like the list of things that a desirable eternal companion should have and kind of be like, okay, does it check? Yes. No, 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 Just like checklist
1: versus really what you were feeling.
2: Yeah. And I would always go back home and feel defeated. I was like, it's not working. And I, I really felt that that's what the Lord wanted me to do, that he wanted me to marry a man and I had to do the diligent work to find that man it almost felt like I was hunting him down. <laughs> and whenever I found someone that there was like a little bit of potential, when I would come out to them, I would get responses like, oh, does this mean that there's double the chance that you're going to cheat on me? Or mm-hmm. that funny look of like, mm, you're into women? As well? yeah. I'm like, what are these creeps? Like It just... Yeah. No. And what was different about your husband? So it was just natural. Like, so, well, it was also a a really creepy date. But (laughs) I, we met on Mutual. We were, we met on a date on a dating app. It was actually very interesting because I had met someone before him that I was like, okay, it could work out with this person. And then when I came out to him, to the previous one, mm-hmm. he, he was divorced and he told me he, in that moment, he was like, I actually divorced because my wife came out and left me for a woman. Mm. So he didn't stop dating me, but he started treating me in an abusive way, like emotionally sure. abusive. He never laid a hand on me and I'm not trying to justify him because he was still abused But it was more like manipulative. And whenever I would say something like, hey, I'm not your ex-wife. He'll be like, but you're like her and you're the same thing. Mm -hmm. So I stopped dating and I was was going to therapy. And at some point, my therapist was like, hey, you still have to make friends. Like at that point, I have been living in Utah for a couple of years, but all my friends were still in Mexico. I had like two or three friends here, (laughs) which is not a huge support
1: network. And at this time, were you just exclusively dating men?
2: Yes. At that point, I was exclusively dating men. Um, So then I was like, okay, I'm going to download the app again and start talking to my husband. And something that really touched me was, well, there were a few things. One is that he told me, um, regardless of what happens, like we're starting this as a friendship and we're going to meet to be friends And then if something later on develops, then great. And if not, like, we're going to be friends. He's also from out of state. So we kind of, like, connected on that. And then we had our first date um, at the Sugarhouse Park, which is now, like, our landmark spot. And when I went home, I sent him a text. Cause I like, I just like, it really enjoyed, we played board games and ate brownies and he cooked the brownies, which for me was a big win. I was like, he didn't like <laughs> me to bake just because I'm a
1: woman. A um, man who can bake is attractive. <laughs> yeah.
2: And I also can't bake in general, but he, <laughs> he brought brownies and we play games and everything. So when I went home, I texted him and I just say, hey, by the way, uh, there's something I need to tell you Um, I'm attracted to women. I've had relationships with women. This Mm -hmm. is not something that's like gonna go away. Not like, obviously, if I start dating exclusively, I wasn't gonna date anyone else, right? But I meant like- This is part of
1: my story. Yeah, like my
2: attractions are not just gonna disappear. Um, I'm not gonna go through my Facebook and look for old photos or old statuses to delete them or whatever. And at some point, you might- Meet someone that I dated because they're part of my life. And with some of those women, I still have a really great friendship. And it was this massive text. And <laughs> wow. He responded, I do not care who you're attracted to. I care about who you love. And I can tell that's the savior. So oh. we're still oh. on for a date tomorrow. Right. And that, like, wow. This is cheesy and corny, but I knew in that moment that that was the man I was going to marry. Like, Oh, yeah. That. I, he, and he has never had a, like, sometimes I've talked to him, like, oh, this girl, like, from, like, my ex girlfriend or whatever, sent me a message, and it's her birthday. I'm, I'm going to send her, I don't know, a cupcake or whatever. And he's always been like, oh, what kind of cupcake? What flavor? Like, he has never... Yeah, he doesn't feel, he knows that I love him and that we're building something together. And I also feel that as a mixed orientation marriage, we were a little bit more aware starting off of what kind of challenges we were going to face to a certain thing. Obviously, there's still things that pop up, right? That Like we have, we're not only like he's straight, I'm not. He's American. I'm Mexican. Like there's a lot of culture. He's like has pioneer blood. I'm a convert. Like there are a lot of things that we're very different, but we're still building something together. And he, he's a a more private person than me. So I think that has been a little bit of a challenge, um, because I
1: participate, like the conference. Yeah, uh, How did he feel about the conference? You doing that?
2: He was actually really proud of uh, his sister was the one that came with me. And every I talked to his family, especially to his parents, because I knew like I've been out out for probably two or three years. When this conference happened, it has actually been really funny because I talked to his family and I was just like, hey, this is more of a church related event. So more of your family and friends and everything.
1: Oh yeah, BYU Women's Conference is huge. Yeah. Yeah. People like, are gonna they, see this.
0: like <laughs> they might it's on the front page of you on the front page of <laughs> LDS.org. LDS.org. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, so we're we're there, you're no longer in the closet. There's no way.
2: <laughs> I I didn't I wasn't asking for like permission, uh, but it was more like I wanted them to be aware yeah. that it was gonna be there. Because a lot of times and this happened to my husband, like my husband would very naturally say like oh yeah my wife or at that time my fiance or my girlfriend is two to women and move on with
1: his life I love like, how casual
0: he is about like yes yeah, I think it. that's an important part of of your relationship your marriage is that you were very open with one another yes mm-hmm. going in and yeah, that's no secrets that is an important part because yeah you you built a structure around that and have support and health around it and And, uh, you know, we want to point that out, that that's just a really important part rather than going in without telling somebody.
2: And that is, like, I decided to tell him after a first date. Yeah. For some people, it might be, I want to wait a couple of dates. I want to make sure that this is stable or whatever. And I think it depends on a lot of factors, right? Like, in in my case, like, as I say, something as trivial of, I'm not going to go through Facebook and, like, edited to make it look like I that was never part of my life but even um a conversation we had at some point in in our marriage I I met this girl and she was really cute and I had like a really good time talking to her and everything and I came home and I because I, um, I met her at work and I told my husband like hey what do you want like when I find someone that I'm like Mm, that person is interesting like obviously like that doesn't mean I'm going to cheat on you or anything yeah. but do you prefer that I have those conversations with you or what to what extent do you want to be aware of it uh because I feel like a lot of times people think because you are LGBTQ automatically you're not loyal or you're not faithful mm-hmm. or like yes. you're going to cheat on your partner or you're going to have like
1: multi- all wrong stereotypes yeah yeah
0: right and well and I like mean, jenny and i have never seen a good-looking guy or talked to a really yeah. interesting <laughs> right, attractive, right? <laughs> and thought we've wow, never flirted, flirted our looking, entire marriage you know? interesting. yeah it's never happened not in 30 years like <laughs> and <hello>? he, <laughs> <We're> was, <nuns. laughs> he was really nice about
2: it because he was like well you know what like this is your co-worker and I trust you and I just want to make sure that you do whatever you're comfortable with. Like if you feel that having this person is like comfortable for you and it's a new friend or whatever, that's fine. If you want all of us to like go to karaoke or to the theater, uh, this obviously was pre COVID. (laughs) (laughs) Like, let's, let's do that. Um, Because I know he's like, I know you're not going to go beyond like you're not going to walk on a volcano because you know, you can fall. Yeah. So three, three words. I trust you. you yeah. Know? But at the same time, I think that's really important because I still want to have female friends. Like mm-hmm. I don't want him to feel threatened every time that I go out with my friends or that he's, he's a paleontologist. So for example, in, um, he's going on a dig in June And if I invite a friend to stay over, I don't want him to be thinking like, oh, something might happen because it's not going to happen. Like, I I, know who I'm married to. I know who I'm loved. I know the vows that I made, but like, I'm not going to live in a shell and like not have relationships with anyone. And also just because I'm attracted to women doesn't mean that I'm attracted to all women. Like. And I'm also not an animal. Like, I'm not just going (laughs) to jump on them and be like, be fine. Because like, it's it's (laughs) just not who I am. But
0: that's very much the, that's the stereotype, right? Yeah. That's the one that you have to work against quite often. It's just really, it's just really
2: funny how like people think. And the other thing is just because my marriage is working and we're happy and we're building our family. I don't want people to think that I'm saying every LGBTQ person has to be in a mixed orientation. Yeah,
1: let's talk about that a little bit because you got um, some backlash with (laughs) that you're married and you are representing the queer community and you're married to the man, which I think is so interesting because like judgment is the problem that the LGBTQ community have. Like people judge them and you're being judged for your personal story. Like this is where as um, a people in America and everywhere, like, but especially in the church, we have to give, um, g- gain tolerance for everybody having their own story and everybody having their own path. Yes. You know, and how have you handled kind of the backslash of like, cause I know people have said words about like, well, how dare she stand up and say she's queer when she's married to a man?
2: Yeah. It has been really interesting how people react. Um, I feel that When okay so I spoke for like eight minutes Mm -hmm. and today we've talked for like over 40 minutes I don't know and still this is only a snippet of my story like I it's just really funny for me to think that people expected me to change like hundreds of years or millions of experiences Mm -hmm. in eight minutes like I I know I'm not trans. I know I'm not single. I know I'm not in a gay relationship. But I all that I can do is be myself. And I think that still made a difference. Uh, we heard terms that we hadn't heard before in an event like that. Yeah. Um, when I came and out.
0: I, to- I appreciate okay. that you use the term queer because that's what it. that's what you feel the most comfortable identifying as
2: yeah i so just to wrap up the answer on my husband then i'll go to the term um like i wasn't trying to hide that i was married or anything um anyone who looks at my instagram or my facebook can see that i'm married like it's it's part of, of who i am and i'm really proud of my marriage If I didn't mention that I was married on my first um, answer with the terms that I used to describe myself, honestly, it was just because in the moment it like spaced out. And in my rehearsals, I used the term wife and it just, I don't know what happened. Like I could have used many other words to describe myself. Uh, But me being married is part of who I am right now. And I also have to make sure that not only I'm handling things properly, but I also have to protect my husband. Sure. Because a lot of times when you're in a mixed orientation marriage, people think the straight partner is a hero. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh my gosh, he was this super amazing man that took in this broken woman oh, and gosh. fixed her my genius. Birth. And I'm like, I mean, my husband is an amazing man, but... <laughs> no I wasn't broken and I didn't need to be like it's not because he fell in love with me like it's because he's smart and he's caring and he's patient he's a special ed teacher so I'm just amazed at the things he handles every day um but being in love with me if anything just shows his good taste but it's not, Amen. I it love doesn't it. make him like a martyr or anything mm-hmm. and then in regards to the labels um I think it's also something very interesting because I know the church feels more comfortable with the taint, with the term same-sex attraction um that is not something that I am comfortable with I'm actually not comfortable with any of the words that end in like sexual mm-hmm. because for me they're more like based on your body, right? On like kind of that like animal instinct, yeah. That you yeah. like want to pursue. But in my case, I care more about who the person is and how they make me feel. Um if that happened to be uh like nobody ever had made me feel the way my husband makes me feel. No Women, men, non-binary, trans person, and nobody. He makes me feel loved and supported. And he makes me laugh in, about things that I had never thought I was going to laugh. And watch shows that I thought not even if I get paid, I'm going to watch this show <laughs> And I've learned more about dinosaurs in like <laughs> two years that I've learned my whole life. Like what now- you when do I, for love, yeah. Yeah, like now when I look at a dinosaur toy in the stores, I'm like, yeah, not, that's not accurate. And <laughs> this should be bigger or this or that. Like I'm still not an expert like him, but it starts like rubbing off on me. But I think it's really important that people identify themselves and don't let someone else- impose a label on them i know Mm -hmm. the word queer can be triggering for someone mostly of like older generations Mm -hmm. um i have i
0: talked about that because when i was
2: a kid that was not nice
1: yeah slang yeah
2: and i think that's one of my blessings and curses being not a a a non-native english speaker because i don't have that background of the word like when i learned queer it was just like this joyful, happy term that kind of felt like a hug when I was able to use that term because I also struggle, like, figuring out, like, what am I? Like, I'm in love. Well, like, when I was single, I was like, I feel forced when I date men, but there's still something about them that, like, draws me to date them, but it feels more natural when I'm, like, dating a woman, um, but I'm also attracted to trans women, like it's
1: yeah, and, like, and let's be let's because some people don't even know how queer is identified and um defined in the LGBTQ community, but it's basically just the umbrella term that you're on the spectrum of the LGBTQ, right?
2: Yes, and I know a lot of people that use it kind of as a placeholder when you're trying to figure it out, like I know I'm not straight, I'm something, but I'm not straight. Yeah. And that is also something very important that. People recognize that you can change, right? Like, I remember when I first came out, um, I came out to one of my friends. It was December, middle of the night. I called her crying. I was like, you need to come over to my house. She shows up, it's snowing. I opened the door and I'm like, I'm going to drive to the women. That's the first thing I said. (sighs) And I will never forget because she was carrying a pizza and Flaming Hot Cheetos and Coke. (laughs) <laughs> and she was a good friend coming over yeah house,
0: all <laughs>
2: and she was like well I like I actually say I like women that's what I say I like women and she was like well I like eating my pizza worm can I come in <laughs> Okay. and during the conversation I was like I, I am a lesbian I feel more attracted to women I feel more comfortable with them the term same-sex attraction I learned it through the church later on um, and she was actually the one who introduced me to an organization called Northstar, because her brother is trans and he had done one of the Voices of Hope's videos. So I started researching more about it. And I feel like a lot of times when you are in a situation that doesn't fit the expectations, you always feel you're alone. Like I'm the only gay person in the church. I'm the only trans Person, and then you carry that like weight and that solitude and that's usually what pushes you away that's like the total opposite of the uh, sense of belonging and I found a community of people that were accepting who they were and their attractions and whatever um, stage they were in but still wanted to leave their faith. still wanted to share their testimonies, but you can't deny that there are things that hurt you still, right? There's still behaviors. Uh There's still actions being taken. There's still words being said. And to this day, like that's still gonna happen, unfortunately. Do I wish there had been a trans woman speaking with me? Yes, like I would love to see a trans woman speaking at church but unfortunately we are not there yet and i just really want people to understand that me speaking up or me sharing my story does not take away from anyone else's story it doesn't invalidate other people's journey it doesn't invalidate other people's pain and hurt um a lot of times I think like, oh, if I had joined, like now that I'm a young women's president, right? I was like, I know nothing about young women, man, because I was baptized when I was so 21. Right. I'm like, I wish I had joined earlier or been a member since I was little. But then now I think about it, and I'm like, maybe if I had joined since I was little, I would have been hurt by more things or hurt more things probably, raised in a different way, right? Or in not- your heart different. wouldn't
1: be so open,
2: yeah. Yeah, so I I always just think it's, I mean, I also live it as a Mexican and like with everything happening with like the black community, or like uh, I always feel like I check a ton of the little boxes. Like I'm an immigrant, I'm a woman, I'm Mexican, I'm queer. Um, I should join the army or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but this is not like the Olympics of seeing who gets hurt the most. Yeah. Or like whose
1: pain is most valid.
2: Yeah. Like whose pain, pain is pain. valid or yeah. like, I, I recognize the need to hear more of these stories and more like and more
1: diversity of those you're trying goals. to pave that path that's I mean the whole reason why did yeah. you get on that stage I felt like we
2: I just wanted to help people that were in a position where I was once that yes. felt lost and hurt and didn't know where to go or could return um i was blessed with some good bishops that supported me and loved me and trusted me but i also had to go through my fair <laughs> side of leadership that did not didn't know how to handle it and or did not want even try to handle it or look for that guidance and i feel that as like the church is so big that sometimes it's really hard to funnel things down, um, Mm -hmm. those like positive things. So I really, really hope that me speaking at that event can help not only the LGBTQ people, but even the straight people in the church be that loving person, be that friend that brings pizza and flaming hot Cheetos (laughs) to someone who is feeling lost.
1: Yeah, because that is what brother and sister ministering, that is what Christ wants us to do, to see the one, to see each other, to see and stop trying to label, stop trying to be like this story, this is your story or your story's wrong. Like, we need to like, let go of all. like, and it's a work in progress. We're messy. Human beings are messy, right? We're not going to do it well. But as, as we're continuing to evolve and the church is evolving, like you, like I sat there and watched it with three of my teenage daughters and they were like, that is so cool. Seeing you say that, say that like, like they like knew, like you cannot, you can't watch this and we're do the clip at the beginning of this podcast, but of without filling the spirit of what you were saying and that like, we are all children of God and the rest of the stuff really doesn't matter.
0: It, yeah. Well, and Liv, I, when you were talking and I've thought this many times, like we are a pioneer people and the pioneer folks came across the plains, kind of not kind of sort of knowing the way right sort of knowing where they were going but they had no map no map yeah. they had like the the trappers maps and just really primitive stuff they made it here in these huge wagons they came and did you know, they plowed the way. And then the next group came in the hand carts, which moved faster, right? They were more agile, but they had their own problems. But this, this pattern of, you know, getting this slow, arduous trip a little bit faster, we get more people here, and then we get train tracks, and the trains bring people in. And that's Mm -hmm. the progress that happened, bringing saints to Utah, to the gospel, and then they spread out, right? Like, we can't expect the train tracks before we get the pioneer over Mm -hmm. on the wagons. Like you standing up there with sister, um, sister Eubanks and, and the rest, and that supportive, them supporting you being, you know, honest with who you are honest with your, you know, like true to your label, true to what you are. And, And talking about pain, that, those are wagon wheels across a mountaintop. And I like, I, I was so moved Yeah. that they, and when sister Eubanks said, you made us better. Oh, I was like, yeah, this is better. Uh-huh. We are gathering our LGBTQ queer family back to us. And just like in the verses of doctrine come 46, like we're bringing back gifts that we had before cast out. We're bringing back those mm-hmm. special gifts that someone like you, someone like, you know, all of the people, our, our next great speaker who is a trans woman, that she will teach us. Like the gifts yeah. are coming back to the church and the Lord needs all of the gifts in the church. Like, need, you know, like we're one body, one gift, or like many gifts to make this church beautiful. And yeah. I saw it as our really, it was so amazing to me to see that. And to see you be part of it.
1: (laughs) No. Yeah. We applaud your courage. We know it took courage. I mean, you are the first that we could even say, right? I mean, I've been going to BYU Women's Conference for years and they talk about it a little bit in some of the talks, but to be in one of the main sessions and to like, that just tells you, um, the Lord, it's the Lord is mindful of the queer community and like, he wants you back. And he wants us as saints to repent and to make a safer place. And that's why you got on that stage to make a safer place for the
0: next generation. And how did it feel being the women? how How did you feel about that? Having the women deliver that message to the church?
2: For me, it was, I know it's hard because I don't know. Like I've heard this joke of like, oh we always need the women of the church because someone has to set up the flower arrangements and the treatment (laughs) and the treats um but when I think about the like the women in my life they have always been strong leads and people paving the way for all their things like the first person I came out to was a woman and I like most of the people reaching out to me about the conference are women not only because it was focused on women but they felt that like connection right of like I can I see you and I'm here for you and I hope like at some point we also hear the brethren talking about it but I don't think we should be dismissive of the women authorities saying it like I have read comments of people like, oh, but when is like a general authority going to say it in general conference? And I'm like, Sister Eubank is a general authority. Like we we complain about the bread. Like I understand the structure and the dynamics and and I see what people are trying to say. But I also feel that then we should empower that message more and we should spread it out. Like on Sunday, my bishop told me he received the clip from the, like he knew I was going to participate and my stake president knew, but the stake president sent the clip to all the bishops on oh, mm-hmm. Um stake. So, and he made it a point of them like, watch this, right? Um, it he was a the message.
0: Advice, the voices of women.
2: It was a message given in a women's conference, but I feel it was a message for everyone, not just members of the church, but everyone. We just
0: want to wrap up with um, just what your feelings about lifting and loving are, because that's what this space is about is lifting and loving. So do you have thoughts about that?
2: I think for me, lifting and loving is... I I don't want to get emotional. <laughs> get emotional. Bring it in. Go
0: it, on.
2: Oh, it's not denying that we are not perfect, but we are here for each other. There there might be things and there might be moments in which, like, people look at me right now and they're like, oh, my gosh, she, she's so courageous and brave and did this and And I've cried this last couple of days reading some of those comments and going over what I said and thinking, did I gaslight someone? Did I misspoke? Did I use the wrong word? And then when I get out of like looking at it from the spiritual church standpoint and thinking, was my English right? Did I express Mm -hmm. myself correctly? And then I listened to the Portuguese translation and it was wrong. And then I listened to the Spanish one and my name was was mispronounced. And (laughs) in those moments, I needed someone to be there for me and Mm -hmm. to show me that I did the best that I could in my capacity yeah. And that there's still a lot of things to do. And I think recognizing those weaknesses in ourselves and not being afraid to be vulnerable is really what's going to help us lift each other and love each other because nobody is above anyone. I don't care where you are. I don't care if you have a title, if you are married or single or a leader on the church. We are all one family, as I said it in the conference, and we should treat each other like those siblings. I know that regardless of what my sister might say in one of our fights, if someone comes after me, she's going to destroy them. (laughs) She's going to make sure that I'm protected and that I'm taken care of. I'm not encouraging people to destroy anyone. But...
1: (laughs) but no but that that love and protection we need to show yeah, more to each we other we really
2: grace. need to be there for each other and sometimes that might mean texting someone and just saying hey i'm here if you need anything and sometimes that might be hey here's a copy of the relief society lesson even if for our sisters that are still not comfortable attending the Relief Society or that because of the guidance in their words, they're not allowed to attend Relief Society. We we are there and we need to listen more and see more to recognize where those gaps are and not wait for someone to tell us exactly what to do. I've been impacted uh, because mostly in the Spanish videos, people have been saying that I'm being too progressive. And I'll close with this: I don't see what's progressive about preaching love when the Savior did it over two thousand years ago. Like, right? Love, loving each other, shouldn't be a new thing.
1: (laughs)
0: No. And and how can anybody have a problem with that? Right. (laughs) So you are so dead on, and that is exactly what you exuded when you stood up there. Yeah for all to see and and made yourself vulnerable and
1: paved the way for us to do it better yeah
0: you are amazing yes Liz, we love thank you, you we so love yes. your, thank you so much for coming on and yes your your view and your honesty thank you so much no thank you for having
2: me I'm really excited that I got
0: to meet you I yes finally. such a treat yes okay thank you
1: Thank you for joining our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the Lift and Love podcast. And if you like what we share, we would be so grateful if you would leave us a five-star rating.
0: For more tips and resources, follow us on Instagram and Facebook under Lift and Love org and Jenny Hunter Coaching. You can also go to liftandlove.org for loads of information and entry into our free support groups. If you're interested in personal coaching, sign up at JennyHunterCoaching.com. The first appointment is free. But most importantly, remember, you are not alone in this journey. We are building a community of thriving and faithful LGBTQ families who are here to lift and love you.